0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Mark, it's great to have you here. Good to be here, Dan. And on the Skype line with us is Mark's son, Jeremiah Diedrich. And uh, Jeremiah, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me here, Dan.
0: Jeremiah, you're a missionary pilot working in the Amazon region. And I think I could almost hear a bird in the background, but I may have been imagining that. It may have been your children. Um, but in any case, um, could you describe why are you in this line of work? Let's put it that way.
1: All right. The condensed version of why I'm in this line of work, um, being specifically mission aviation, uh, is that actually when I was four years old, I saw the video documentary "Through Gates of Splendor," uh, which. About the five missionaries who were martyred in Ecuador, and one of those was Nate Saint, a missionary pilot. And uh, at least according to my parents, ever since I saw that, I said, I'm going to be a missionary pilot. Truly, that's all I remember wanting to ever be, and uh, God opened the doors for me to train at Moody Aviation in Tennessee uh, after spending two years at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And then, uh, after meeting my wife Julie in Tennessee at Moody Aviation, God opened the doors for us to uh, go into missions work as uh, serving as a missionary pilot and mechanic.
0: That's remarkable. And you fly the planes, and I believe your wife is a mechanic.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I'm a pilot mechanic, and she did the maintenance specialist training course. Um, and so, she is a trained mechanic, and she is also a, a homeschool stay-at-home mom uh, for our three kids with the, another one on the way. And that's her <laughs> full-time right now, and she does an incredible and excellent job of it.
0: Yeah, praise the Lord for that. It's, uh, it's refreshing to hear stories of homeschooling. Um, your work in the Amazon, why are planes needed?
1: Well, the Amazon is the uh, biggest forest in the world. You're talking about vast, vast stretches of jungle that have nothing uh, as far as infrastructure at all. So aviation provides a critical link for work that's going on um, with indigenous groups, not just indigenous groups, but also uh, communities that have sprung up along the river systems of the Amazon. Uh, The reality is that an hour flight for us might save a week to 10 days of travel by boat and there are times of the year, uh dry season when the rivers are low, that it may actually be impossible to arrive at some communities where the airplane can can get you there in half an hour or an hour or two hours.
0: Now, airplanes need some place to take off from and land. So, uh that must take some time preparing these fields for planes.
1: Yeah, it's a huge amount of work to build a runway. Um you have to clear the trees and not just cut them and clear them. You have to dig out the stumps because otherwise uh, the stumps will rot and make holes in the runway that the wheels of the plane will sink into years down the road. Uh, you have to clear not only the runway, which needs to be you know around 2,000 to 3,000 feet long, uh, depending on the area, but you have to clear uh, sometimes up to a mile of, of jungle on end to provide an approach and departure corridor for the airplane to take off and land.
0: Mm, yes. Now, um, could you help us understand, uh, now we know why we need a plane, where you're located in the, in the Amazon, how does this plane tie in to the, to the missions work and helping the people and, and the spiritual fruit?
1: The plane is just a tool. It's uh, the tool the same way as you might use a computer or uh, that you might use your house. It's a tool that provides uh, a means for the the love of Christ to arrive in these communities. The plane that transports the missionaries to the community to do the work, that transports the people out of the community for health or medical work, that transports in supplies. Um, uh, More and more what we're doing is transporting indigenous families who are believers and who the local church is sending out to do training, theological training, Bible training at Bible schools located in uh, the cities and towns. So we're just a tool to make make the work more possible, to make it go faster and make it more efficient. Uh, You can use a computer in the same way. You can write everything down on a notepad by hand, uh, but computers have made uh, any sort of writing work, uh, sending emails, even this Skype conversation, much, much more efficient. Uh, speeding the work up uh, immensely. And the airplane does the same thing. Mm. It's a tool that we use to uh, make more effective the work of the gospel.
0: It's really helpful to hear that. Today we're talking with uh, missionary pilot Jeremiah Diedrich. In the studio with us is is Jeremiah's dad, Mark Diedrich, who's a pastor. And um, Mark, um, sometimes planes are used for uh, reaching people, um, let's say, with uh, a special project. Um, I can think of any number. Maybe it's translation of a Bible, or or maybe it's flying in food supplies or whatever. But particularly on the Bible part of it, uh, Mark, um, is it legitimate? Let me ask you this. Is it legitimate? Maybe people don't have this question. They're not like me. But is it legitimate to translate the Bible into the language of the people?
2: Yeah, sometimes people wonder, you know, I mean, we have a whole uh, religious group, you know, the Muslims, which say you haven't really read the Quran unless you've read it in Arabic. But that's not the same as the Bible. Jesus, uh, we know Jesus used the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation Mm -hmm. of the Hebrew Bible. So we understand by his using that that, that it's certainly legitimate to translate the Bible yeah. into another language. And in fact, it is preferable because the different languages, um, when a person grows up in a language, that's their heart language. They hear it differently. I even had a professor in the seminary. We used to get together for a group, and this professor was from Germany. And Whenever we'd get together and he wanted us to open in prayer, he'd ask one of us to open in prayer because he would inform us that when he prayed, he would always speak in his native (laughs) German tongue. (laughs) And that's how he wanted to pray, even though he spoke English very well. Mm. And, And so you see the native language is very important to get God's word in that because God uses it to speak to the hearts of these
0: people. And, and Jeremiah, I can only imagine that as your feet on the ground there in whatever culture you find yourself in, God has placed you there on the Amazon, um, there are adjustments that you make to better relate to the people in that culture, and there are adjustments that are allowed to be made because you're not compromising the truth of the gospel. Have you found that, that to be the case?
1: Yeah, I have seen... In, in my experience here, that the gospel is fully adequate to address any culture. Because, you see, there's this idea of missions. A lot of people have the idea of missions that you come in and and would say westernize a group. Right. And if Christianity to you is, is more of a cultural thing, if Christianity is simply uh, uh, a cultural influence for you, then yes, as a missionary, you would come in and westernize a group or you would Christianize them and change their culture. But when Christianity to you actually addresses the deepest and most profound issues of the heart uh, and deals with your relationship with your creator God and your salvation as, as bought for you by Jesus Christ, your Lord, you realize that that addresses issues that are common across humanity that span cultures. And we we often, what we see when we see cultures, we see the superficial things, the things that environment influences in us. But when you get down to the core issues, um, the fears and dreams and motivations, uh, the desires and the needs at the deepest part of the human being, as God has created us, and as we've been impacted by sin, that doesn't change across cultures. And the gospel is, is just as adequate to address that in a remote and what we would call primitive culture as it is in ours. And just as we see the need for our culture to be changed and moved and adapted and reformed by the gospel, these indigenous cultures are are the same way, needing to be influenced and changed and renewed by the gospel.
0: Mm. It must be a joyful thing to see people come to know the Lord and want to live for him and realize these people are thousands of miles away from my home, and yet the reality of the Lord is here in, in this area of the Amazon, just as much as it was in my hometown.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Um, Christ is growing His church around the world. And uh, though we might not recognize it, um, at least until we train our eyes to see it, mm. because, like I said, we see the, the superficial, we see culture, we see environmental factors. We We don't see the deep issues of the heart. And we so often see scripture through uh, our, our cultural filters. And so when you see it uh, coming through a different cultural filter, you sometimes, well, wow, you know, that's, that's different. I, I didn't expect to see that, you know, hold on a second. You go back to scripture. Scripture's is our only rule for, for faith and practice. And you go back to Scripture and say, hey, does this come from Scripture? Does this uh, work faithfully with Scripture? Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, it looks different. Wow, I didn't realize my perspective on this was culturally influenced. Right. And so you see Christ growing his church and faithfully growing his church, and you see that when, when a Christian arrives carrying the gospel, when a Christian arrives in a community that's never heard the name of Jesus Christ, the church has arrived. But then, as others believe in Christ, and that church starts growing there, you start seeing uh, something different than you've seen before. Because you're seeing the church growing, but within a different cultural climate, a different uh, environmental context. But you still see the fundamental principles of God as our creator, of Christ as our redeemer, of us as sinners in need of the the blood of Christ and faith alone for salvation.
0: Mm. Now, you have some uh, practical things that you have to take care of yourself just in order to survive in the Amazon region. You and your wife and family need to eat and once in a while medical attention. You mentioned your wife is expecting um, probably some kind of a house, some kind of an arrangement to live. And uh, these are very practical, real needs in order to have a missionary like yourself on the ground. Um, do you ever find that you worry? Um, I tend to worry sometimes, or my wife may worry. Uh, lots of mamas worry about their kids getting hurt or bit by a snake or whatever. Uh, how do you as a missionary handle Uh, the temptation to to worry.
1: Mm, That's a good one. Um, Sometimes I don't handle it very well. (laughs) Some of what we deal with with worry is is this feeling of cultural displacement. It's not the way we're used to it. And um, I've heard it said, you know, when you're dealing with cultures, that it's not wrong, it's just different. And uh, a follow-up comment on that is, yeah, well, maybe it's not wrong, but it's just dumb. (laughs) Sometimes you feel like that. You feel like, ah, the way that things are dealt with here, ah, it just drives me crazy. And it can be worrisome, like you said, when it comes to medical and that kind of thing. But the reality is uh, this is where your theology uh, rubber meets the road, Mm -hmm. that we are just as much in – the control of our sovereign God here as we would be anywhere in the world as we would be in our home context in our home culture if we were in a state in in the environment that we grew up in we would be no more secure than we are here or no less that God is sovereign and in control and is working out his good plan for us and for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, wherever we are. And so we, we learn day by day to trust him, to follow him. Uh, we know in our heads that he's in control and that he is good and loving. And we learn to apply that, and, and I suppose you could say that we learn to really believe that, little step by little step more each day.
0: I'm thinking now about um, the impatience factor. Here in the States, I think more and more because of technology, people can only handle sound bites, it seems, in in the media at least. Um, They don't want to do a deep dive or read a heavy theological treatise or a large book or whatever. Um, There's a lot of impatience. And again, it may be heightened because of cell phones and televisions and all of that what about the people in the jungle in the amazon region what kind of distractions do they experience that would cause their minds to drift over what they need to be focused on
1: the same the same root causes as we have just a a different application because of of culture and environment um the, you know, the things that distract us, uh, like cell phones uh, and the Internet, uh, though the Internet hasn't quite showed up to most of the places I go in the jungle yet. I will say that their cell phones abound and they're turning into smartphones and mm-hmm. tablets and all that more and more. And so technology is there. But the reality is we get distracted by materialism um, and materialism is something that everybody deals with in, in one context or other um, you see materialism uh, among the groups that i fly to i see it i would say almost in each community there might be a different application of it and it's mostly related to environmental factors uh what these differences are but um yeah it's there mm-hmm. the, the distraction from living a life for christ the temptation to live for self and for the pleasures of this world, um, it's it's all there: uh, materialism, sexual temptation, uh, worry, doubt, yeah, self-promotion, hunger for power, mm-hmm. yeah. All of that stuff is there because all of that stuff has has been an integral part of the human race ever since we fell into sin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hold on a second. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That's that's everything I was saying right there. Adasa. <laughs> with, with Nehemiah's tablet, desperate to maintain control of it because she wants to be the one to decide what to do, and she wants to call the shots. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> There's a three-year-old example.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the next question is um, a little bit deeper on the theology, and that is, you, you've mentioned how that not worrying ties into trusting a sovereign God, and if we take that a step further, we know that God has a people and that he, he chooses these people. How does that fact help you on the mission field as you use the tool of an airplane to reach out through the missionaries and yourself to these people with the gospel of Christ?
1: Yeah, it goes back to motivation. Why why are we here? Are we here because of of some desperate and let me just say a misguided attempt to save the lost and if we don't go then then they're out of God's hands and out of his control? No. Why are we here? Well, you know, two two big reasons that have always been the motivation is one, the call of God. You know, okay, which specifically to us has said, you know, go serve here in this context, in this environment. But, but generally to all Christians, it's go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so obedience is our primary motivation. We're obeying God. Why do we obey him? We obey him out of love for him, out of love because he first loved us, because he called us out of darkness into his light. He took our hearts of stone and made them hearts of flesh. And so when we're here serving, um, we're, we're being used by God. It's our great privilege and blessing to be used by God in this context, in this environment. Um, yeah, but whether we're here or in the States, it's to our benefit and our blessing and and our good and God's glory that he uses us as as tools in his hand, as it were. And so trusting that, that what we do uh, by his power is for his glory. And that, what an amazing thing to think that, that he's using us to be uh, part of the means that he uses to call others to follow him, to call his people, to call those he's chosen, and, and shine the light of the gospel into their hearts. What mm-hmm. an amazing blessing and, and privilege it is to be part of this.
0: Is your confidence increased knowing that God has a people?
1: Yeah. In, I suppose, the most critical way is that though I do fail all the time, I don't live up to what God has called me to. Um, Living here in in this context is not like, you know, it's not some magic of like you go to the mission field and life gets easier, you become a super Christian. You still struggle with sin. You struggle with doubt. You struggle with, with you know, Lord, what am I supposed to do next? And knowing that uh, that ultimately he's faithfully guiding and um, shepherding me and my family, as well as faithfully calling his people. Mm. And though I fail and though I'm fragile, um, he's the one who completes the work he's begun, both in me and and those who he has called and those
0: he will call. Mm. Today we've been talking with missionary pilot Jeremiah Diedrich and joining us in the studio as well as Jeremiah's dad, Mark Diedrich. Jeremiah, in closing, you're down in the Amazon region, completely different in many ways than what we know here in the States. Many, many challenges. Um, You go out into the bush, into the jungle area, a lot of dangers, but... um, is there maybe just a handful of prayer requests that our listeners could remember you in, um, that you could share with us?
1: Uh, a few specific prayer requests, um, is that specifically, um, we're in the phase of, of training in a new pilot. He and his family arrived at the end of 2015 and, um, we have another pilot who's just come back from furlough. And so for our program here, uh, we're really in a phase of, of kind of stepping up as far as personnel and, and getting several other pilots flying. And our goal with that is to be able to serve the local church better, to mm. to uh, meet more of the needs and more of the flight requests that we've had to support uh, ministry of the local church and of missions working in this region. And so I would ask for prayer for the logistical aspect that that we would have the pilots and mechanics and equipment necessary to uh, meet the needs the what so far has been you know an overwhelming need for aviation transport uh, in this region mm. uh, to do the work of the church on a personal note i would ask for prayer uh, for My wife and the baby she's carrying, she's 20 weeks right now, halfway through the pregnancy. Some of your listeners will have heard of Zika virus, uh, which has been going through South America at an alarmingly fast pace. Mm. And um, there's also dengue fever, uh, chikungunya virus, uh, and malaria, all of which are in this region that we are in here. And uh, so I would ask for prayer for protection for uh, my wife and for the baby during the next uh twenty weeks of pregnancy that they would avoid any of those sicknesses mm. and ask for god's protection there
0: amen
2: and for you yourself, Jeremiah, since you have already had malaria, right
1: yeah, I had malaria um several times um, through relapses and such seven times so far well wow but i'm I'm much uh you talk about worry I'm not worried about myself but the uh, the idea of, of worrying about uh, my wife and the baby sure. she's carrying worrying about my kids getting that is something that, that I definitely have to um, trust in God and also be wise about how do we protect our family with it as far as uh, you know bug sprays and and repellents and what areas to go to and what areas not to go to sure. and you know all of that.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's helpful to our listeners. And um, if someone needs to reach you, they can do so through Redeemer Broadcasting, and we can pass along the, the emails uh, that way. Today we've been talking with missionary pilot Jeremiah Diedrich, deep in the Amazon. Uh, Jeremiah, we want to thank you so very much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Dan. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: In the studio with me has also been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, This entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.